Uh, we've been talking about holiness. And we've said kind of from the beginning of this year that our banner is holiness unto the Lord. And here Paul, as clear as any text I'm aware of, says God's temple is a holy place. And you are that temple. (laughs) Which is to say what the Old Testament has already said, because Paul knew his Old Testament. And that is, I am holy, therefore you be holy. You see, this call to holiness is not as oftentimes uh, is described, God on our back telling us to do something we can't do. Most people say, oh, no, no, no. Holiness has to wait until heaven. And friend, that's just not what the scripture calls us to. Some may say, well, but we can't ever be perfect in this life. Um, But one can have a perfect heart. Jesus himself says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. These are not things that God would call us to simply to laugh at us when we can't do it. No, he provides his holy spirit to make us holy. You see, there is no holiness apart from the Holy One of God. And He has sent His Holy Spirit to us to make us holy, right? <laughs> That's a lot of holiness there, right? Well, I've been, um, I've been thinking about, obviously, holiness uh, through, the, through this year. And, uh, and here I see no better place to say the holy temple of God is meant to be a light to the nations. In other words, look, some of us confuse, like, why why does God want us to be holy? Um, Well, it's because He Himself is. He's holy. So if we are to walk with Him, we too must be holy. And this is a character thing. And of course, we we can begin to define holiness as holy love, ultimately. You know, there's two, there's two, I hate to use these big words sometimes, don't get scared, ontological statements in the Bible about God. We could say it this way. There's two essential nature statements about God in the Bible. One is in the Old Testament and it is, I am holy. The other is in the New Testament, God is love. You see, that's not, that's not something God does action-wise. That's an essential character, is He is love. He is holy. He is holy love. And that's what he's wanting to bring to your heart. It's what he's wanting to develop in your mind and in your heart and in your soul. And that flows out, obviously, through our body. (laughs) This temple that God has given to us. And this is what Paul is pointing out in this text, is the fact that we are to be the dwelling place of God in the world. Yes, in some philosophical concept, God is everywhere present. Omniscient, as we say. Find that word in the Bible. It's not there. 
here's what is there, that he no more dwells anywhere than in human hearts. I think about that one. As my professor used to say, put that in your spiritual pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Not to endorse smoking, okay? But we are to be the temple of God where he longs to dwell. And we talked about last week this Shekinah glory, which is this Old Testament term. You remember the smoking pot that comes between the sacrifices of Abraham in Genesis. This Shekinah glory, that simply means the dwelling glory of God wants to rest in us, in this old body. Yes, your body. Yes, my body. I think at this point, Wesley is a bit helpful for us and just to kind of write these down and go home and think about them later. But he says, or he lived by three simple rules is what he kind of called them. Three simple rules. It's do no harm, do good, and then attend to the ordinances of God or as other people have interpreted it, love God. Do no harm. Well, that can kind of come easy to some of us because we're rule followers, right? And we like to do, like, we like the negative part. We feel like we've got that down. But let me tell you, friend, the righteousness of Christ is not just about what comes out, but it, what is in us. That's the righteousness that Christ wants. Not just a cleaning up of the outside, but a cleaning up of the inside. And that'll take... That'll take some chopping at times. It'll take what Wesley called mortification, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, putting them to death, in other words, mortify it. And of course, what a great opportunity we have just in what, a week or so, to do that through our Lenten fast. What a great time to say, Lord, I've noticed this kind of fruit happening in my life. I want you to find that root and get it out. Just like the weeds in my yard. I, I can't stand these little weeds. And, and what I do is I make sure I, I take my time carefully removing those weeds all the way from the root. Because if you just snap it off, guess what that dude is growing back? I mean, it grows faster and better than grass. Which truly, you know, weeds are kind of, kind of grass anyway, but it's just not the kind of grass I want there, right? And you know, it's the same way with our life, isn't it? Paul says, look, there's nothing evil in itself. Any more than this keyboard here, what, what's the bad note among the keys? It's the one that's not played at the right time. You see how that works? When God says no, that's the wrong key. doesn't mean it's an evil key in itself. Dun, dun, dun. Ding, 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 ding. You know, the, the lighter keys or whatever you call it, I don't know how to even do any of that. But um, that's not the bad one or the good one. It's only bad or good according to the composer. Who's the composer? Who's the creator? It's God. Not Marshall, not you, but God. And he wants to make a beautiful symphony of your life. And only he can do it. And that's why we must be led by the Spirit. Do no harm, but then do good. All kinds of good. And of course, we're not going to list them all out. You've heard of a bunch of good today. That's the kind of good God is concerned with. The least of these. 
and then attend to the ordinances of God. That is to say, be in regular fellowship with believers in small groups, attending to the table, to worship, to prayer, to private worship. How many of us worship at our house privately? Like that's a different, it's like, well, yeah, I read the Bible. Well, see that as worship and then do it with your children and then teach them to worship God. I promise you, if all of us worship at the house this morning, before we come here, this place, the roof will blow off. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It shouldn't just be a prayer for us, God help me, but God have me. Have your way with me. It's no longer my own. Yeah, I just finished reading Ezekiel, and you know what happens at the end of Ezekiel. Ezekiel has this heavenly vision of the new temple. And remember, Ezekiel's temple had been burned to the ground during his own day, and he was exiled, never to enter the temple again, even though he was trained to be a priest for 30 years. He never got an opportunity to do that. He was called to be a prophet. And then he sees this, te- he sees this temple and, and all these measurements, and dude's measuring all this stuff, and all of a sudden... He says at the threshold of the temple, there was water that started to come. You remember this? Oh, it's a beautiful image. And then it got up to his ankle. And then the man measured again, up to his knee. man measured again, up to his waist. Measured again, and it was this river so much that no one could touch the bottom. Isn't that where God wants us? In his holy river? Not where we can still maneuver around. You know how a river works, right? As long as you've got pretty good traction down here you can go where you want to go even though the current's going this way but when you reach that point where you're now treading into the area of faith he takes you the river takes you where it will oh god would you today in each of our lives what if what if he had the opportunity for us to wade out into the deep waters of faith i think what he would do is he'd fill us with his spirit and move us places that we never imagined. That's what I think. That's what, if I know God and know how he works, that's exactly what he will do. And then you'll see one day, looking back, that was the best decision I ever made, not to be in control, not to still have my traction, but be holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, given to the holy, H-O-L-Y, one. That is where he wants to dwell, right here in this body. What a thought that is. What an opportunity it is for each of us. Let us take him up on it. How about that? You've heard of people, even today, who've taken him up on the screen in different countries. The hools, they they gave up all their stuff here. To move over into the river. Man, I'm telling you, go read the end of Ezekiel and tell me you don't... (laughs) Yeah, it's a little hard to to catch, but it's there. Trust me. It's not easy. (laughs) I'll just be honest with you. It's not it. All right. Well, your temple, dwelling place for God, is to be a light to the nations. It's not for yourself. We're not not holy statues. Oh, look at me. Look at me. No, 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 no. Light. Salt. To be poured out upon this world. All the dark places. All the putrid areas of our culture. That's where he wants us. That's where he wants us. Holiness unto the Lord. Be holy 
as I am holy, God says. Share his burden. Give and go. Join him on mission, even today, and don't stop. It, <laughs> stay in ready position. Stay in ready position. Not laying up in your Christian life. In ready, you know what ready position is, right? It's like a, it's like a baseball player, you know? If you see one lollygagging around like this, he's about to get hit in the forehead with a line drive. <laughs> Hands in his pocket or something. No, ready position. Lord, what do, you, what do you have? He's always on the move. He never sleeps. He's calling each of us, each of his temples, to be light, to be salt. I pray that even today, he would do it in you. You. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.